All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Talking Redbird Podcast. I'm Lucas Van Pelt. I am your host. It's been a couple weeks since my last episode. I was just letting the World Baseball Classic and spring training kind of take place. There's obviously not as much storylines going on right now compared to the regular season or the off season where there's a lot of trades and things like that. So I kind of have to let some time go by for there to essentially be enough content to talk about. So we've officially reached that point. We're a couple weeks into spring training. Um, The World Baseball Classic started last week, so a lot to catch up on. So a couple things I wanted to say about my podcast. I appreciate all the good reviews I'm getting. Um, It's going tremendously well. A couple things that I'm going to graciously ask for. If you're on Apple or Spotify or whatever... um, app that you're using, there should be a little plus button on the top right corner or the top left corner or something like that on either app. Um, Please hit that. What that does is you kind of follow along um, on the podcast. And what it will do is every time I release an episode, it will just simply send a small notification to your phone saying, hey, new episode, um, new episode is out. Here's where you can listen to it, things like that. And what that does is really the only other way that I can can get out and, and, uh, and market a new episode or things like that is I kind of have to blow up my Facebook page and put it on all my stories and stuff like that. And, um, I don't have a specific Facebook account just for my podcast, things like that. That's what my Twitter's for. And my TikTok. I realize not everybody uses those. Um, so just to stop annoying all the people on my Facebook account that don't really follow baseball and things like that, um, please hit those plus buttons. It'll help me out again. It'll, it'll send a small notification to your phone every time I release an episode and it, you know, I won't have to bug people as much whenever, every time I release an episode. So, uh, so plus it just helps me out on the analytical side of things. It tells those apps that, Hey, people are following me. People are listening to me. Um, things like that. So other than that, let's get to it. So the first couple weeks of spring trainings have gone or of spring training has gone by spring training records and wins and losses don't really mean anything. So that's not what we're, we're not going to talk about the specific games in general. We're really just going to talk about who's looking good, what the roster's looking like. Um, this is just kind of my first update about all of those things. So before we get into all that, we're going to start with the world baseball classic. Cause I know this podcast specifically is for the Cardinals. So most of it is going to be about spring training and how the Cardinals team is looking. But I do want to talk about the World Baseball Classic first because there are so many Cardinal players that are in it. Um, The games themselves are 20 times better than all the spring training games because they're playoff atmosphere type of games. You know, these countries want bragging rights and they, you know, they want to just like Venezuela wants to destroy Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico wants to destroy the Dominican Republic. They all have these kind of personal vendettas. Last night, USA and Mexico played. It was, they sold out a 50,000 person arena and it was super loud. And, um, you know, these are playoff atmosphere type of games and they're really fun to watch. You know, even if you're not watching the United States, there's Cardinal players on, you know, all these other teams too. So I highly recommend watching some of these, uh, some of these guys are unreal. So, so the United States are in pool C. So we're going to talk about pool A and pool B first. So those are already completed. Those games were played over in Japan. They are already done. So Cuba and Australia advanced out of pool A, Italy and Japan advanced out of pool B. So those are the four teams that will advance to the semis. Now pool C and pool D are still playing all their games. Um, we got two, three more days of games, and then there will be two winners from each of those that will advance, and that will be kind of like an elite eight situation. There'll be eight teams left. There'll be a sing- two single game eliminations that will make the championship game. So that's where that's what it's looking like over the next course of the week. So USA just lost to Mexico last night, actually, eleven to five. It was uh, it was a really hard game to watch for a USA USA game. They uh, they they beat Great Britain 
Saturday night. So that officially puts puts their record at two, at one and one. So for all the pool games, they play four games. So we're one and one so far, which means we have two games left to play. We play Canada tonight, actually at nine o'clock, which is kind of a must-win game. One bragging rights, obviously USA Canada. It's going to be an exciting game. Tyler O'Neill plays for Canada. Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers plays for Canada. There's some there's some good quality major leaguers on the Canada team. Obviously, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, they start every game for Team USA. And actually, tonight, Lance Lynn is starting. So he's not a current Cardinal, but obviously he was on that 2011 World Series team. He was a longtime St. Louis Cardinal, and he's starting tonight. So that'll be just kind of something to watch. Now, the, my only downfall is that the games are at 9 o'clock, so they're a little later, unfortunately. Um, but you can at least watch a couple you know, innings of the game before you fall asleep. So tonight, the United States plays Mexico, or I'm sorry, plays Canada. And then on Wednesday, they play Columbia. Typically, to advance out of the pool, you have to have a 3-1 record. Obviously, 4-0 would do it. If you're 2-2, two two, that puts you right kind of in the middle ground. You need to get a little bit lucky with all the tiebreakers. So really, the United States needs to beat Canada and then Columbia the next two games to really to really solidify their chance to to make it out. I think that they can do it. Just the games have been a little disappointing to me. You know, you look at all these Latino teams, Mexico, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, all these guys, they eat, sleep, and breathe baseball. That's what everyone in those countries do. Outside of soccer, it's the number one sport, you know, for all these kind of third world countries. And they're packing the stadiums and the environment is crazy and you know, I watched USA last night and they just looked dead. It didn't even look like they wanted to be there. You know, all these big name players are looking at four balls before they even start to think about swinging. And I understand it's a tricky situation because you have 30 MLB teams breathing down your neck about, you know, hey, this pitcher can only go so many innings. This batter, I don't want them to play back-to-back days to get ready for the season, things like that. So there's different variables at play. Um, but if you watched the USA game last night, it just looked like we were dead. We had no energy. Um, I mean, we still ended up scoring five runs, but our pitching is just not that great. We're gonna need uh, we're gonna need to uh, to really pick it up the next couple of nights. But that's the World Baseball Classic update. Um, I bet on Japan to win the whole thing because they kind of have a cakewalk all the way to the final two, um, and they're four zero. They're undefeated. Lars Newtbar is becoming the next big thing in Japan. I don't know if you guys have seen the news or seen anything to do with the World Baseball Classic, but Japan has fallen in love with Lars Newtbar. All the little all the little kids in the stands are bringing pepper grinders to the stadium and um, he's leading off for them, making diving plays in center field. He has at least one hit in all four of their games that they won. He had a multi-hit game in three of the last four. Um, he's, uh, he's becoming a fan favorite there without a doubt. So that is something to watch as well. If you're not a big Japanese baseball fan, obviously, you can watch Lars Newtbar lead off for them every night. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, all right, so that's it for my World Baseball Classic update. Next, we're going to switch to spring training. Again, today's going to be really focused on who's hot, what the roster is looking like at this point in time, things like that. So it's hard to have a conversation about the Cardinals you know, the first update of spring training without mentioning Jordan Walker. He is going to be obviously a big focal point of this entire episode because all eyes are on Jordan Walker this spring. You have so many, Tommy Edmond, O'Neill, Newt Barr, um, obviously Goldschmidt, you have Arnado. you have, I mean, those are five of your everyday starters that are not playing in spring training games. So they're putting Jordan Walker in the lineup, hitting third, playing the outfield every single game. 
and boy, what a spring is he having. He is first in the entire league average on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, home runs, hits, you name it. Jordan Walker is leading all 30 teams in spring training stats in all of those categories. So, you know, I think coming into it, they were like, they were going to be like, hey, here's the here's an opportunity. We're going to put you out there every day. Let's see what you can do with it. And he is just taking the game by the horns and, you know, just, just making a, his career legacy spring training. You know, I don't, and again, spring stats don't always mean everything. So always take things like that with a grain of salt. But I mean, he's, again, he's been given an opportunity and he's running with it. So I'm going to talk about this later you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away, but I have a, I have my first edition, kind of a rough draft of my roster prediction for this coming, uh, March 30th opening day. And he's on it. You know, I didn't, I wanted to ignore that for a while. I just, I, the Cardinal, the Cardinal way, right. I did, there was no way a rookie was going to make opening day. They were going to manipulate his service time and all these things. Um, I just don't see that anymore. I don't see how you can deny him a spot on the roster. Again, I'll talk about all this later, but he's just impressed so heavily. He had, a, obviously, that 4-for-4, four four, two-homer game last week. He's making good play after good play in the outfield. We talked about a couple episodes about his batted ball data and all you know exit velocity, all that stuff. You know, It's off the charts, but what people don't really realize is his true, true five-tool potential. So there's something called StatCast. So if I rec- if I reference that in the future, just know that Amazon owns it. So it's Amazon StatCast. They provide real-time live statistics off of essentially everything that happens in a baseball game. So if Jordan Walker gets a single up the middle, a mere two, three seconds later, they already know how hard he hit that ball off the bat. Um, things like that. He, this this spring, he has recorded a throw from right field to home plate that's already faster than any outfield throw the Cardinals had last year at any point. And his sprint speed, his first to third sprint speed would have ranked number one on the Cardinals last year. And he's 6'6". So that just goes to show there's nothing this kid can't do. He has an advanced average, he has an advanced above average bat to ball skills, plate discipline. He doesn't swing and miss a lot. He doesn't strike out. He takes his walks. And then everything he hits, he hits really, really hard. A lot of players don't do all of that, right? And then the remaining two tools are speed and defense. And he does both of those extremely well. So, I mean, the true definition of a five-tool potential. If his defense picks up a little bit, I would say that of all five tools, that one is the one lacking the most, but not by much. And just to really put in perspective, obviously Skip Schumacher was our bench coach last year, and now he's the Marlins head coach. And he shared a quote that I'm going to repeat here just to kind of encapsulate everything that Jordan Walker has shown so far this spring. He said, for me, Fernando Tatis Jr. was the most exciting prospect during my time in San Diego. Sidebar, he was San Diego's bench coach before he came over in 2021. And then... I saw Jordan Walker, and that's pretty dang close to it. He's the next Tatis. He does everything the right way. He's a really good kid. He shakes your hand the right way, talks the right way, and is a special human being, end quote. So obviously, outside of all of his baseball tools, he just has his head on straight. He was a Duke commit before he signed with the Cardinals out of high school. So that just goes to show his, his IQ and his smarts are off the chart. You know, not everybody can go to Duke. So, And then his teammate, Mason Wynn, who I talked about in my prospect episode a couple weeks back, he they got drafted the same year and they've they've kind of advanced along 
together at every stop they've played together. And Mason Wynn has a Mason Wynn said they're going to need to come up with a six tool for this kid, which means he just does everything everything well. And to me, his six tool is his makeup. Like I said, he was a verbal commit to Duke before he signed with the Cardinals. Um, his baseball IQ is off the charts, and he just has an elite desire to improve. A lot of people fall into this trap where they have God given ability and they don't know what to do with it. They exceed their potential through high school and college, or maybe the first year in the majors, or I'm sorry, the minor leagues, things like that. But then they get to a level where the game starts to catch up with them and they kind of plateau and he just has an elite desire to improve. So when you combine all those things, <coughs> excuse me, his makeup is just off the charts and I am just cannot wait to see what this kid's going to do. Next, I want to talk about Brendan Donovan. Last year, one of my favorite Cardinals to watch, he had almost a 400% or I'm sorry, a 400 on base percentage which would, you know, about top 10 in the league in that in that category as a rookie. One of the Cardinals' X-Factors last year had a great year. But if you had to pick apart his game, you would say, you know, doesn't hit for a lot of power, doesn't hit the ball very hard. He's able to get into, he's able to hit a lot of doubles because he's fast and he, he, you know, he's gap to gap, left field, right field, can hit it all over the field. But when it comes to hitting the ball out of the ballpark, he doesn't do that a lot. And you look at this spring, he's already got four homers this spring. He leads the entire Cardinals team in home runs this spring. So, you know, he, he's, you'll notice he stands more upright. Last year, he crouched a lot. This year, he starts more straight up. And as the pitch is winding up, he lowers into his back hip. And he's able to unload a little bit more from that. So we'll see if that translates to the, to the regular season. But again, that's really power was his only tool that he really didn't have. So Brendan Donovan can be close to five tool as well. If he is, he, if, if he's able to go from, you know, five to eight home runs last year and almost a full season, you know, up close to 10, 12, 15, that just adds an element of his game that, um, would really make him stand out even more than he already has. Um, and one of the last players I want to talk about is Dylan Carlson. He's been taking super super impressive at bats this spring too he's he's kind of in that same Brendan Donovan category where you look at his uh you look at his makeup and everything and he just he doesn't lack he lacks a lot of power he doesn't hit the ball hard he he was below the 50th percentile in exit velocity average exit velocity max exit velocity all these things that track how hard you hit the ball and he just wasn't. He was not hitting the ball hard at all. He was one of the lowest on the team. And you look, and he's he's already hammered a couple of homers this spring. And if he's able to uptick his power a little bit too, that that adds another five-tool potential of Dylan Carlson. You know, and I know I keep repeating myself, but the same thing applies to a lot of different players on this team. So Dylan Carlson had a 100 WRC plus last year in a down year. I mean, you remember watching Dylan Carlson last year more often than not he was striking out rolling over ground balls you know he wasn't he wasn't doing a whole lot he hit for a low average didn't hit for a lot of pop um and he had an exactly league average wrc plus last year which was able to give him a two three war season because his defense is so good so if he can just take that next step offensively you know he had he had actually really good stats back in 2021 he he just took a step back this year so you know if he can figure it out as well the cardinals have a good problem to have and that's something that i'm going to talk about here in just a minute is what the hell do you do with this offense there's way too many uh mouths to feed in this offense and i'm going to go through each one um so i'll save that here for a little bit so the last one i want to talk about is Lars Newtbar. I've, I've i've teased it in the past I can almost do a whole episode on how much I love Lars Newtbar. He has taken St. Louis and, like I said earlier, now Japan, 
um, by the reins, and he he is just going to become a superstar. He, last year, he obviously didn't play much in the first couple months, but because Bader gets hurt, O'Neal got hurt majority of last year, uh, things like that. Corey Dickerson got a lot of the at bats, unfortunately, but once they figured out that that wasn't going anywhere, you know, around June of last year is when Lars Newtbar really started to get a lot of plate appearances, and he he took the opportunity and has never looked back. And if you put a gun to my head right now, I think he's more valuable to the Cardinals than Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson. And I think the Cardinals view it that way too, because they denied a couple trades last July for Lars, Lars Newbar. Didn't want to do it this off season. They wanted, uh, they wanted to trade for the Oakland athletics catcher, Sean Murphy, instead of sign Wilson Contreras. And they wanted Lars Newbar and Brendan Donovan. And they said, absolutely not. So I think, Again, gun to my head, you ask me who's going to lead the Cardinals outfield and plate appearances this year. I think it's going to be Lars Newtbar. He uh, He's just incredible. Again, short sample size for 2022. Scuffled a little bit at the beginning of the year because he had really inconsistent um, at-bats. He didn't start every day, things like that. But around June, July started to heat up, and he was a huge reason of why the Cardinals felt comfortable enough to trade Harrison Bader for Jordan Montgomery last year at the trade deadline. Because <coughs> if you can imagine having Harrison Bader also in our outfield right now, you know, we already have a little bit of an outfield, um, what's the best word for it? A little complex of an outfield situation, let alone when you put Harrison Bader in the mix. So he was a huge reason why they even felt comfortable enough to make that trade. Obviously that trade is already working out because newsflash to all Cardinal fans, Harrison Bader is made of glass and he's already injured this spring. So working out well so far, Jordan Montgomery was great last year. Um, but back to Lars Newtbar, he's another one of those StatCast darlings that I talked about earlier. StatCast measures all these different advanced uh, data in, in, in the game. And he, Lars Newtbar, outside of Jordan Walker and maybe Mason Wynn, the Cardinals' top two prospects, Lars Newtbar is about as five tool as you can possibly get. And I'm going to go through the specifics for you, okay? Car- Lars, Lars Newtbar is in the 98th percentile in walk rate. That was number one on the Cardinals. He, is in a, he has a 90-plus percentile in average exit velocity, so on average, how hard do you hit the ball, and max exit velocity, which means what is how you know the max is the highest velocity you know hit or out or whatever that he had off the bat last year. And he is 90th percentile in chase rate, which means he doesn't strike out. He's also in the 90th percentile in arm strength in the outfield, a.k.a. how fast do you throw the ball um, in the outfield, pretty self-explanatory. He is also 80th percentile in barrel barrel percentage, which means of all the balls that you hit, what percentage of those are hit on the barrel and 80th percentile in hard hit rate, which means again, every ball that you hit is hard. 95, 95 mile an hour plus is what's considered a hard hit. So, and then the last but not least, he is in the 60th percentile in outs above average, which in as, as advanced um, of a defensive status you can really get there. There's no great defensive metric like there is offensively, but outs above average is one of the two that are, that are used most often. Um, essentially it, it, it tracks the route that you're, that you're taking to the ball and how easy that ball is to catch. <clears throat> He's in the 60th percentile in that. He's also in the 60th percentile in sprint speed. So the definition of five tools is, plate discipline, power, contact, defense, speed. And he is above average at all five of those. So of all the Cardinals, he is he's about as good as you can possibly get when it comes to his five tool, uh, the five tools that you can have. But I understand the skeptical uh, people that have been in my DMs and talking to me about it. Let's see a full season of it before we fully jump on the bandwagon. Last year was, again, just a 250 to 300 plate appearance 
sample size, which is, equates to about half of a year. But the hype is real. The, the things he does is real. And you're seeing it on your TVs right now. He's playing for Team Japan. He leads off. He's playing center field. He's making diving uh, catches in center field. Three of the four games that they played, he's had two hits, a walk. You know, he's doing everything. He's doing all the things that he did last August and September that us Cardinal fans remember. He's doing them on the national stage right now for Japan. And I think he's going to become a Japanese fan favorite. And this sounds silly, but that's going to help the Cardinals out. More more Japanese players across the country or overseas, they're going to start tuning into Cardinal games a little more. You know, he's he's going to become a marketable uh, a name on the Cardinals that, you know, can gain some national recognition. And as long as his play and his stats kind of back that up, the Cardinals have a superstar on their hands that kind of came out of nowhere. So um, I, I love Lars Newtbar. He, again, he means more to the Cardinals than I think the other two outfielders do. Dylan Cardinals, Dylan Carlson's pretty close. He still has four more years of control left, or I'm sorry, three more years of control left. He's not a free agent until after 2025. Um, but O'Neill is a free agent uh, after next year. So his time is limited. I think if, you, again, I hate to I hate to use this analogy, but gun to my head, Jordan Walker, Lars Newtbar, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, I think if we look forward to next year, I don't know if Tyler O'Neill's on the team anymore. You know, he has the least amount of control, but he is toolsy and, and, and good enough that I think a team takes a chance on him. So really, really, this is kind of my bold take of the year. Don't be surprised if the Cardinals trade Tyler O'Neill in, in July for an ace type of pitcher. Again, I don't know. I don't know. If I had to put money on it, I can see the Cardinals not doing it just because of the, 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 the trades and the way the Cardinals have done things in the past. But I think if you look at this team, we are one all-star slash ace pitcher away from being a true World Series contender. And if Tyler O'Neill and a couple prospects gets that done and you can slide Jordan Walker right into left field, you still have three all-star caliber uh, outfielders on your team with Alec Burleson and Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes all able to play the outfield, you know, on any given day. You still have a lot of depth there, even without Tyler O'Neill. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes up. Again, I'm going to talk about that here here in a minute. Um, but yeah, so really, when it comes to who's hot, again, Jordan Walker goes without say. Um, and I don't, I don't want to sleep on Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn was number two on my prospect list uh, in my last episode. He clearly doesn't get as much love as Jordan Walker, but Mason Wynn is the the biggest athletic freak I've ever seen. If you if you've tuned into any uh, Cardinal spring training games, you've seen him whipping throws over to first base at 99 miles an hour, and um, he has a thousand OPS. He's hitting a bunch of home runs too. You know, maybe I'll spend give him a little love in my in my next spring training update. Um, but he he doesn't look to really make a major league impact impact until the end of the year or next year. So I'm just you know I'm kind of focusing on Jordan Walker just because he has the potential to to make the team March 30th or opening day, um, and I expect him to do that. So so that's it. so that's it for a kind of who's hot. Nobody's really cold. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna do a little bitty segment on you know what players are really struggling. There really aren't any. We've actually looked fairly good. Jack Flaherty is pitching out of his mind. Steven Matz looks great. Um, I guess if I had to pick one player that I'm not super pleased with, it's Adam Wainwright. He didn't look very good in his spring training debut, and he pitched for Team USA on Saturday against Great Britain. His counting stats results were okay. He only allowed one run in four innings. That's fairly good, but he is just he's losing velocity, which, again, you don't need velocity to be effective, but 
you know, he was still 88, 89 with his sinker last year, and he's struggling to hit 85 right now. Again, maybe he just needs a little extra time to ramp up. Um, I don't want to be concerned until I have to be, but I don't, I don't feel great about how he's looked so far, but he could prove me wrong. Obviously, he is a student of the game. He's 41. He's been doing it a long time. I'm confident that he can figure it out if need be, but let's just say I'm kind of glad it's his last year. As much as I love him and as much as I think he'll be a Cardinal favorite forever and make the Cardinals Hall of Fame and you know be around forever, I, I'm, I'm ready for the Cardinals to kind of move on. That's how I felt about Yachty last year as well. As, uh, and yeah, let's, let's just leave it at that before I say too much. So the next segment I'm going to talk about is the roster uncertainties. All right, so the roster uncertainties... <sighs> This is going to be, let's put it this way. This is going to be my first example or my first rough draft of the Cardinals roster prediction. Now I'm going to do an official one here in a week or two when we get, you know, we get pretty close to opening day. Speaking of opening day, your boy got tickets for it. So I am pumped. I'm super excited. I'm going with my wife and her grandma. Um, She is a recent Cardinal fan. If you're listening, Tony, shout out Tony um, for the tickets. She's a recent Cardinal fan. She's been watching all the games. Um, you know, I've been I've been loving talking about it with her and stuff like that. So we're going to opening day. I'm super excited. Um, but here's going to be my first official roster prediction for that. Now, I have some notes here about, obviously, about the roster itself. But I'm going to list the roster first, and then we'll kind of dissect it after that. So my I'm not going to do a lineup prediction yet. I'm going to wait till the World Baseball Classic is over. But... We're just going to go position by position. So at catcher, obviously Wilson Contreras is going to be the everyday catcher. Now, I think that Andrew Kisner is going to make it as the backup catcher, but Ali Marmol put out the other day that their recent signing, Trace Barrera, who's kind of a journeyman, <coughs> 25, 26-year-old backup catcher, they signed just to have some depth. He's actually kind of impressed this spring, and Ali Marmol the other day said it's an open battle for the backup catching position. So I still think Kisner makes it just because he's been there and, you know, Miles Michaelis and him have a really good relationship. But the Cardinals have, you know, a triple-A catcher that if it's June 1st and Andrew Kisner can't hit anything and struggling defensively, I wouldn't be surprised if we designate him for assignment. So that puts us at the infield. Obviously, Goldschmidt at first base. Tommy Edmond at shortstop, Arenado at third base, and then second base is going to be Brendan Donovan. Outfield, this is where it gets a little tricky because I don't know. Here's one thing I'm going to say. The Cardinals have never had a manager before Ali Marmol play the splits like he does. And what I mean by that is on any given day, depending on what pitcher is starting, whether it's a lefty, a righty, is he a sinker slider type of a pitcher? Is he a fastball curveball type of a pitcher? Does this pitcher have a really nice changeup? Whatever. It's all going to depend on what pitcher they're facing that day is what the lineup's going to look like. It's a good problem to have, but players, you know, the team chemistry builds when there is kind of a set lineup every day and everybody knows their role on the team, things like that. So when you constantly have this shuffle of players, maybe it's the old school baseball fan in me, I can't see how I could ever really get in a rhythm if I don't know when I'm playing. If, I, if I'm only facing lefties or if I'm only facing righties or if I really suck against a sinker and there's a sinker ball pitching that day, I don't, and I don't play, I don't know. It's, it makes, it makes me uncomfortable to see a whole different lineup every day, but we'll see how they do right now. I think the, the, the outfielders that make it are Jordan Walker, 
Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newtbar, Dylan Carlson. Now, I know that my brother is listening to this right now um, saying, I told you so, there's no way Jordan Walker makes it, things like that. I hear you. I hear you. I just do not, I simply don't see how you can deny it anymore. He is right now probably the most offensively well-rounded outfielder that the Cardinals have. He's playing good defense. I get it. He hasn't even played AAA yet. He's He would be jumping straight from AA to the major leagues. But if there's any player that can do it, Jordan Walker can do it. There are prospects that come along that they don't they don't need to show anything in AAA. They're already better than what we have. Jordan Walker is that situation right now. I I really do think that he's going to make the opening day roster. Which if he's making it, he's playing every day. And then of the three that we talked about, O'Neal, Newtbar, Carlson, I think Newtbar starts every day. Which then leaves this sort of um, open position, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson type of swap. I think, you know, you obviously have the DH position that opens up a lot of opportunities as well. So you could see all four of them in a lineup with Jordan Walker DHing or maybe O'Neill DHing or something like that. And then our bench bats are going to be obviously Andrew Kisner, Juan Yepes, Nolan Gorman, Paul DeYoung. I really wish DeYoung wasn't on this, but he's in his last year of his contract. John Mazalock absolutely loves Paul DeYoung for whatever reason. He could go one for 50 with one home run, and all they would talk about is how he's just getting unlucky and this and that and whatever. I'm kind of glad that he is going to be off the team after this year. There's no way in hell they were going to resign him, and um, trust me, I'm ready for that. You know, I'm sure he's a nice kid. Kid, he's older than me. <laughs> I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, I'm just ready for the Paul DeYoung experiment as a St. Louis Cardinal to be over. I wish him the best. Thank God we're on our last leg of it. But really with the outfield, it's it's just going to depend. Jordan Walker's going to start most games because that's just how good he is. <coughs> Lars Newtbar is going to start every game because that's how good he is. And then I think you just have this constant shuffle of Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, things like that. One will start three games. The other will start three. Then when Jordan Walker needs a day off, they, you know, they can just, instead of giving three players 600 plate appearances, they'll give four players 450 plate appearances, that type of thing. Um, they just shuffle people in and out more. So I guess my point is don't be surprised if at every single day you watch a Cardinal game, there's a different lineup that day. That's just how it's going to be. There's too many mouths to feed. And that's not even talking about Juan Yepes and Nolan Gorman, who you could put them on 20 other teams and they would start every day. But for us, we really don't have room for them. I mean, we have the DH spot that I think Gorman and Yepes are going to kind of go back and forth. If there's a lefty pitching Yepes is going to bat. If there's a righty pitching, Gorman's going to bat. If Donovan is struggling, which I don't see that happening, then obviously Gorman's going to play every day. But you're talking, let me count right now, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You have 11 guys that really could start for most other teams, and we only we only have eight spots for them. So on any given day, or let me, I guess with the DH, obviously that makes all nine spots for them. But that's still every any given day, two of those players are going to have to be on the bench. Now, again, it, it leaves Marmol and the coaching staff a lot of flexibility, which is never a bad thing to have depth. Don't let me, you know, don't get it twisted. It's never a bad thing to have depth. But when you have so many guys vying for a spot, again, a lot of guys don't do well with not knowing their role, not knowing what spot they're going to be in, constantly shuffling the lineup around. You know, I, I don't know. As a player, that would be frustrating for me. I would want to know where I'm playing 
you know, what games I'm going to play that week. And obviously I'm not in the locker room. Maybe they haven't lined up weeks in advance. I don't know. Um, but that's what, it, that's what the infield looks like. We have one of the best lineups in baseball, no doubt about it. Um, we were number two in the off, n- number two in offense last year, and that was with a lot of uncertainty. That was with Lars Newtbar only getting 258 plate appearances. That was with Donovan being a rookie. That was with Carlson having a down year. Um, so we really have the chance to be a juggernaut offensively. So our season success really comes down to our pitching staff. Right now, opening day, I have Wainwright, Michaelis, Flaherty. Montgomery, Steven Matz being our five-man rotation. I think we've all known that's going to be the five-man rotation all spring. Nobody's gotten hurt. It's Wainwright's last year. He's going to start opening day, of course. So that brings me to the bullpen. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We have thirteen guys. We have thirteen position players, which means we have thirteen pitchers, uh, thirteen pitcher spots to fill. I just named five rotation guys, so that means there's eight guys in the bullpen that are going to make the team. So, let's go through the locks first. You have Ryan Helsley, Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks. Those are three absolute locks. Next on the list is Andre Plante. He is a lock as well. So, that's five guys. Or, I'm sorry, excuse me. That's four guys. That's half the bullpen. So, that leaves the other four spots open. <coughs> what my first prediction is, is you have Gen- uh, Genesis Cabrera, Zach Thompson. They're going to make the team... You typically always want to carry at least two lefties out of your bullpen, and right now I think those are our best two options. Zach Thompson is better than Genesis Cabrera, but Genesis Cabrera has been better overall in his career. Kind of hoping for a bounce back with him, though. But those are the two lefties that are going to make it. Outside of those two, you have Jojo Romero, who's a lefty that we got from the Phillies last year for Edmundo Sosa. Um, We have Packy Naughton. You know, you have some of these other lefties that can obviously come up and and be okay. But those are the two lefties that are going to make it. That leaves two spots left. So, these are not the two guys that I would pick, but these are the two guys that I know, I shouldn't say I know, that I think will probably make the team out of spring. And that's Drew Verhagen and Chris Stratton. So, Chris Stratton was the other was the other name that we got from the Pittsburgh Pirates last year in the Jose Quintana deal. He did okay for us down the down you know down the stretch. I don't think he they don't have him in there to be a really high leverage reliever but he's one of those like kind of swing man middle relief can get you two innings you know maybe not be super unhittable you know maybe allow a runner a walk here and there but it's not going to have complete blow up outings which sometimes those guys are valuable in your bullpen and then the last guy unfortunately like I said is Drew Verhagen Drew Verhagen we signed out of Korea last year for a two-year five million dollar deal he's in his second year he was one of the wor- our worst relievers last year, statistically across the board. Couldn't really do much, couldn't really get outs, walked a ton of people. He was whatever the opposite of a fan favorite is last year, is what he was. Um, he's looked okay this spring, but if anyone of you know John Berzalock, if he's given money to a guy, he's going to get some run. You know, He's going to get some time. He's on his last year of his deal. So, again, if it's kind of the same thing as last year, by June 1st, he's really, really struggling again. Expect them to just designate him for assignment. But for now, he's going to get every chance to make the team out of opening day. Because there obviously is things they liked about his his uh, repertoire, how he gets outs, things like that. He's, he's an imposing force on the mound. He's 6'5", you know, something like that. So there's clearly something they like. 
but he's definitely on his last leg. So that leaves us with kind of the first up or maybe just missed. And there's a big one on the list, Dakota Hudson. So he's been on the Cardinals for the last several years. He was in the starting rotation a couple years ago. That didn't really go very far. He really, really struggled last year. And I just don't, I don't see a way he beats any of the guys that I, that I named, you know, let me go through them again. Wainwright, Michaelis, Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Steven Matz. Dakota Hudson is not going to be in the rotation for any of those guys. Bullpen, Ryan Helsley, Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks, Drew Verhagen, Chris Stratton, Andre Pallante, Hennessy Cabrera, Zach Thompson. He's not better than any of those guys. I mean, obviously, I would probably have him over Drew Verhagen or Chris Stratton, but I know how the Cardinals do things. And that's, he, I, I just genuinely don't think he's going to make the team out of spring. He has a couple minor league options left, which helps some of the, some of the guys in the, in the bullpen right now, they don't have any options left, which means the Cardinals can't send them down to the minor leagues without risking, um, another team stealing them from them essentially is kind of how that works. So I don't think he's going to make the team and he may be first up with any injuries. The Cardinals have kind of got lucky this spring, you know, knock on wood, with uh with injuries this spring so if any you know come april 1st if anybody is struggling or injured i think dakota hudson will make the team but as of now i don't see a way he makes the team so next on that list is alec burleson he's the cardinals fourth outfielder i think with jordan walker making the team there's already too many mouths to feed alec burleson has looked great in triple a but i don't think he's going to make the team now and the reason for that is simply what i said already there's too many mouths to feed so he he's going to start in AAA. He had a short sample size in September in the major leagues last year, and he didn't look great. So they could always use that as kind of justification of why you know he's being sent down to start the year. But I mean, simply all four outfielders that the Cardinals plan on using are better than Alec Burleson. Now, if something happens with Nolan Gorman and they need kind of a lefty bench bat to to platoon with Yepes. In the DH spot, I think he comes up right away. So expect him and Dakota Hudson to be the two that, you know, in September when the rosters expand from 26 to 28, you know, if that was the case in April, those two guys would have probably made the team. But I think they're just off the list. Now, my only, you know, here's my only hiccup. I could completely be wrong about Jordan Maker, Jordan Walker making the team. I think I'm clouded a little bit by excitement of him. I would not be surprised at all if the Cardinals wanted to manipulate his service time a little bit and, you know, leave him down in AAA for a couple weeks until they call him back up. It would be a very Cardinals thing to do. Um, but there's a new part in the collective bargaining agreement that I talked about before. The Cardinals will get an extra draft pick if they call up Jordan Walker at the beginning of the year. He plays a full season and he finishes top three in the rookie of the year voting, which he absolutely has the, has the chance to do. So, I really don't know. It's it's one of the first couple of situations since the new agreement that the Cardinals have had. So I, you know, if history tells us anything, Jordan Walker will probably not make the team. But I really, I really think he's he's shown everything that he can, plate discipline wise, hard hit rate wise, defense wise. I'm betting that he makes the team, and that's my and that's my first roster prediction. So I'll go over it again really quick. Wilson Contreras, Andrew Kisner, Paul Goldschmidt. Juan Yepes, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, Tommy Edmond, Paul DeYoung. That's the infield. The outfield, Jordan Walker, Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, Dylan Carlson. Starting rotation, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, Stephen Matz. 
And then rounding out the bullpen, Ryan Helsley, Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks, Drew Verhagen, Chris Stratton, Andre Pallante, Henesis Cabrera, Zach Thompson. Now, someone else that I kind of want to talk about, he's not he's not necessarily on my first up, you know, just missed list, but somebody I want to talk about that's really impressed on the national stage. Um, his name is Guillermo Zuniga. Um, a lot of you guys probably haven't heard about him. The Cardinals just signed him this past winter out of the out of the Dominican League. He plays for Columbia, the Columbia national team. He throws 102 with a wipeout slider. He has stuff out of this world. He's the kind of go-to guy for Columbia out of the bullpen. United States plays Columbia on Wednesday. So, you know, if you watch that game, he may play, you know, he may pitch. And if you see that name, just know that he could play a role for the Cardinals in the bullpen this year. I think a lot would have to go wrong because there's, you know, Cody Whitley, Dakota Hudson, Wilking Rodriguez, um, Packy Naughton, Jojo Romero. I mean, I could name five, six guys out of the Cardinals bullpen that are not going to make the team out of, you know, for opening day that will be in the AAA bullpen that will definitely have their shot first. Um, so I don't expect to maybe see him this year, but you just never know. Bullpen depth is always a great thing to have, and he could be a really exciting name on uh, kind of on the upswing maybe in the next year or two that we can see out of the bullpen. So, so that's my first official uh, roster prediction. Again, I'll probably have another one in a couple weeks. Obviously, things can happen um, that obviously I can't predict right now, but that would be, as of right now, my first roster prediction. So, yeah, so that concludes today's episode. Again, I just wanted to do a couple, you know, my first official spring update, little world baseball classic update, what's going on around spring, um, things like that. So if there's anything that I missed, anybody that you would like me to talk about next time, please let me know. I'm going to I'm gonna wait a little bit and have another episode similar to this. And then the World Baseball Classic is actually over here in about a week. So what I'll probably do is do kind of a World Baseball Classic finishing touch slash episode, depending on who wins, things like that. Um, but just some Cardinal players that are left. You have Andre Plante pitching for Italy. They advanced. You have, obviously, Lars Newtbar playing for Japan. They advanced. Tommy Edmond plays for Korea. They actually lost. They were upset. They were projected to make it out of pool play, but they lost. So he he should be back at Cardinal String Training um, really any day. I'm trying to think. Um, Cuba, I don't think there's any Cardinals on the Cuba team. And then, obviously, Pool C and Pool D, all 10 teams are still playing. So, Again, tonight, United States versus Canada, Tyler O'Neill, obviously all the guys on the United States team that the Cardinals have, a lot of different guys uh, playing, so look forward to that. They're on Fox, so Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. Um, for all my local Southern Illinois people listening, um, Channel 12, regular regular Fox, I think is what it's on to. Um, obviously, if anybody's unsure, they can always let me know and I'll help them find the game. It's kind of late again. I know it's at like nine o'clock, so it's kind of later on. But if you have nothing to do, I definitely recommend watching. Um, the United States got kind of embarrassed last night, and the pitcher that's pitching for Canada today is a nineteen-year-old lefty um, in high A for I forget what team. But most of the United States lineup is right-handed heavy, and obviously it's a freaking all-star team. So I expect the Cardinals to kind of tee off on this teenager they're going to face tonight for Canada. Um, so, and it's kind of a must win for them too. So definitely tune in. Um, yeah. So that's it for today's episode. If anybody has any questions, please feel free to let me know. Uh, yeah. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next time.